following podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It does not reflect the views or opinions of my university or its affiliates. Especially not this one. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, it's me, Adam. Real quick, wanted to explain to you that this is a bonus for you because I haven't done anything extra for you folks on the free feed in a while, and I really wanted to do that. That and, if you're not familiar, on Patreon, my top tier that's capped at four different patrons at a time is called the faculty tier. And folks subscribed at that level are entitled to one custom podcast a month from me where I analyze a show of their choosing. And this one turned out really well. Both I thought it was entertaining, and I thought I got to some like deeper level societal stuff that was interesting to sort of touch upon, but mostly it's just a fun podcast. And so folks at the faculty level typically approve of their custom podcast being released to everyone on the Patreon at the master's level and above, so that's just extra content for everybody. But Eliza, who commissioned this podcast very generously, suggested to me that since She liked how it turned out so much. It should go out to everyone. So that's what I'm doing. So thank you, Eliza. Thank you to all my patrons. Thank you to you for listening to this. I won't waste any more time. Enjoy as we together go to MILF Manor. As always, welcome patrons. Welcome to the Sister Wives Professor Patreon with yours truly, your friend Dr. Adam. It is, I want to say my pleasure, but I don't know if that's an accurate term. It's definitely my privilege to share with you today. Thank you so much, Eliza, one of my faculty tier patrons. Some of you knew this already, but Eliza did for her custom podcast, Analysis and Review Podcast, because of her subscription to the faculty tier for February, she requested the first ever episode of MILF Manor, which is not a show I even knew existed before I agreed. I did look it up and confirmed that it was real, but I did not look into the premise. I was taken by surprise by everything in this episode, and there is so much in this episode. Thank you again, Eliza, for your patronage. I really do appreciate it. Folks, if you are not familiar with MILF Manor, it is something to be experienced, really. I don't know that I necessarily recommend it, but I don't caution you against it. I got, I don't want to say I got flack, because I don't think I got flack. I think I got some good-natured jokes in the Patreon chat, in case you missed it, about me watching and reviewing this show. And 
I understand why, but some of you treat me kind of with these kid gloves, I think jokingly, but treat me as if I'm kind of this shrinking violet. And I completely understand why. But to be clear, like, I am a student of the totality, good, bad, and gray areas of human existence. There's certainly things about humanity I'm not familiar with, but not a whole lot. And in terms of where everyone is an adult and consenting to what's going on, there's not a whole lot that makes me too squeamish, especially stuff that makes it on somewhat mainstream pop culture, like MILF Manor. That having been said, this did prove to be quite the experience. This has been unlike anything else I have reviewed. I'm not even sure how to do a traditional analysis podcast because the dynamics here, it's not even a reality show in the traditional sense. It's more of like a survivor type of feel, not comparing the two shows as an apples to apples comparison, but it's got that kind of competitive TV show vibe to it, along with a whole lot of other vibes all layered on top of it. Just wow. Okay, Eliza, thanks again. And also, just so we're clear, Eliza did make it permissible for me to share this with all of you, all of you patrons at the master's level and above. So let us travel together to Mexico. Not just anywhere in Mexico, though. A very large mansion, MILF Manor. And in fact, the show opens up with aerial shots of what must be MILF Manor. Here we go. We are here together. <laughs> and we see April J, because there's two Aprils on this show, walking in slow motion right now through MILF Manor. She looks lovely, looks confident. She's got straight posture. And a quick talking head, she says that she's in her 50s and refers to herself as a vintage, rare find, and gestures a bit for emphasis. We see April J throughout the episode, but she doesn't get up to quite the shenanigans that other moms, let me put it that way, should I just call them MILFs? That's what they seemingly are branding themselves as. I'm going to start with moms first. Let me ease into this. She's not as in the mix as other moms are, at least in this first episode. I can't speak to the rest of the season because, frankly, I don't know whether or not I'll ever watch any more of this show. Anyway, April J talks about living in California and that she has three amazing boys, and we see photos of them all together. Says she doesn't think her sons know that she actually has an extremely high libido. Probably not. She says, hold on, and asks with a squint, was that too much? Should she just have said hi, libido? And she kind of does a sort of faux, embarrassed, kind of quick grimace. I like April J already. She's outside walking around in her kind of pink robe looking outfit deal. Looks great. And a voiceover, she talks about how her marriage was good for a while. She married a young man and she was older. Anyway, she says she's open to a new adventure and a connection with another younger man. Note the younger. She's obviously focused on that, right? Which I guess is partly why she's here. This is gonna be kind of the theme, actually. We now meet Pola, who's 48, in her noticeably thick Mexican accent, says she's originally from Mexico City. Just like a good friend of mine, Damien. Damien, there is no way on earth you will ever hear this podcast, but just know, as I reviewed MILF Manor, I did think of you, buddy and your, your time growing up in Mexico City. I like to think, if you ever found out about this, he would love to know that he got this shout-out, but for many, many reasons, I don't think I'll end up explaining to him how we got to this point, because honestly, I don't know how he'd handle it. Anyway, she says she's relocated to Miami now and calls it a paradise with this really warm smile. Pola is very warm. She's very... From this episode, Pola's probably the mom on the show that is the most... I don't want to say approachable, but seem the most grounded to me. Maybe that's just based upon my experiences. Anyway, Pola greets April J at the bar in Milf Manor. There are some very, very large wine glasses on two trays in front of them. They do introductions and they shake hands. However, notably before they shake hands, Pola put a hand on April J's shoulder, which is a much more intimate gesture, probably a cultural difference. 
And April J reacted by, you know, she didn't reciprocate that gesture. In fact, she kind of corrected by reaching her hand out to shake hands. So again, could be a cultural difference, could be April J setting a physical boundary, could be both, could be neither. Who knows what lurks in the heart of Milf Manor? April J says that she's expecting guys to introduce themselves, but instead it was Pola, which surprised her. And she does not sound like this was a happy surprise, guys. She does say she's confident and doesn't feel that Pola has anything on her, and she says it quite sternly, no apology in her voice. She doesn't sound angry, but she does sound quite serious. They're still at the bar in Milf Manor. I'm going to say Milf Manor as many times as I can. April compliments Pola's eyes, but Pola starts talking over her, asking her if she likes being in Mexico. Both have kind of a put-on friendliness. It doesn't seem super genuine, any kind of warmth between them, but April does seem more performative. Pola, comparatively speaking, if that makes sense, does sound warmer. Pola talks about how her husband passed away when she was only 23 years old, and she talks about having to move forward, and that her focus was just on making positive, good memories with her kids, and she puts on this very sincere, kind of charming smile as she talks about it. Says that she has never been single, though, ever since. She said she's had boyfriends as far back as kindergarten, so maybe what we would call a serial monogamist. Someone that maybe doesn't know who they are, or doesn't know how necessarily to be steady and complete when they're single. Which, no judgment on anyone, but that can be a tricky thing to navigate for people, and sometimes can lead to, I don't know, questionable choices of partner, when you just aren't totally comfortable with being alone. Pola does say that if someone proposed to her while she's here in Milf Manor, that that would be great news. So she is, I guess, open to things moving quite quickly, Eliza. April J says that she's a singer, and Pola asks, Can I ask you your range? Oh, don't do that. And April playfully, but I think seriously, says, No, you can't, and even sort of chidingly waves a finger into Pola's personal space. Pola laughs at this, but I think the invasion of Pola's kind of personal space, even if Pola didn't pick up on this, was sort of a, a course correction, shall we say. We are now introduced to So Young, who is 50. She says that she always introduces herself to young men as, I'm So Young, and I'm So, and then they bleep it. What did she say? What did she say that was too coarse for the gentle ears of Milf Manor? I don't know. I don't want to know. She greets the other two ladies at the bar with some big loud hey's and how are you's going around. So Young says she's always dated young guys, always at least 10 years younger than her, she says. She says she has to have fiery love to have sex, and she gets kind of frustrated talking about it. Says she can have sex without that kind of fire and passion, but she can't kiss anybody. She says it's disgusting. And then she breaks into a smile. Everyone on this show is incredible. I, 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 just, just to be clear. So Young talking to April and Pola, talking about her move from Korea. She talks about not being afraid, and Pola says So Young is cute and will probably get picked by many guys, but she will be competitive and fierce if she needs to be. She puts on a really broad, that warm, broad smile again, saying she wants to win. I'm starting to pick up on these ladies probably have more nervousness about the situation than they're letting on, which I can understand being on camera, being in this sort of competitive, find love environment. It's very unnatural. It's very strange, even though they obviously want to do it. Now we meet the second April, April W., who is from Detroit. She's 43. She talks about how she married her high school sweetheart and was married for 14 years after that. April Jane says, oh, April, I'm April, and they kind of share a laugh. April W. says that she wants to date younger men because older men, as she puts it, are in paw-paw mode, and she's not ready to be a grandma yet. Paw-paw mode. If I'm not in paw-paw mode already, by the end of reviewing this episode of Milf Manor, I probably will be. Charlene, who's 46 years old from Jersey, Charlene is a big part of this episode. She, she rolls up greeting all the ladies and asks them kind of bluntly, where are the men at? Which, I'll be honest, is a good question. You may regret the answer to that question, but we'll get there in just a little bit. 
She says she currently lives in LA and says Hollywood and does a little dance and a sing-song voice. I found this very charming. She sounds quite serious talking about her path to getting here, getting here in MILF Manor. She talks about her two necklaces. One was from her oldest daughter who passed away less than a year before filming and she's got some real grief, real grief in her voice, real emotion, starts crying, talking about losing her daughter being the hardest thing she's ever had to do, but she's doing it. She's doing it. I thought that was a really fair, honest way to briefly encapsulate grief. I don't I don't want to get too sad about, you know, talking about this show, but it's it's part of the content, you know, losing a child is every parent's just absolute worst nightmare. And from a viewer standpoint, it was so strange to see someone with such serious, dark, heavy emotion on this show, because in having watched the entirety of this show, it stands out even more. Charlene says that her daughter was the first person she used to talk to about dating, the first person she'd ask, and the, the moms are chattering and talking amongst themselves at the bar, and we focus on Charlene asking several women, are you looking for love? And April Jane agrees that she is. Charlene says that love is in the air here, calls it so romantic, and the setting is a very emotional setting. It's absolutely beautiful. I mean, this part of Mexico, just like, forget about it. It's, it's like heaven on earth, visually, right? Charlene says that she's doing this for her past daughter, Ashley, in many ways, who hoped that her mom would get married, fall in love, and start, like, you know, a new chapter. Charlene, throughout this, by the way, is, is running her fingers through her hair quite a bit. It's a self-soothing gesture, denoting that she's more nervous than she wants to let on. That nervousness is also coming out in her vocalics and her voice a little bit, too. Sue Young, talking about romance at the bar, asks, you know, what about a guy that's ugly, but he's got a nice personality, he's nice to you, are you going to date him? And everyone to the MILF says no. There you go. Fair enough. Eliza, I'm going to be honest with you, there was a cut here where I cut out a bunch of stuff because Amanda just walked in, asked me what I was doing, and I said, I'm recording a podcast, do you want to be on it? And she said, oh, no, not today, thank you, though. And as she's walking out of the room, I said, don't you want to talk about MILF Manor? And without missing a beat, she just kept walking and goes, I don't know what that is. I'll see you later. <laughs> that is probably the appropriate reaction. Let's get back to it. Now, Kelly, 50 years old, enters and refers to her alter ego as Disco Mommy. Why is it these shows always give me good band names? She loudly greets the other ladies at the bar saying, hey girls, calls them all hot ladies, and she elaborates on the Disco Mommy thing with some footage and photos of her done up to go clubbing, it looked like. Says Disco Mommy loves house music, going out, and so on. We're also introduced to Shannon, also 50 years old, already at the bar. Says that Kelly has a big personality and winces a bit, saying that Kelly needs to pare it down just a bit. Kelly makes herself very at home here in Milf Manor. Just walks right behind the bar, starts serving drinks to everyone, very take charge, very look at me, very much. This, this is a statement, this, this bartending thing. This is a statement to say that I am setting myself apart. I am going to be literally the focus, literally the center of attention. Very over the top in comparison to everyone else. And this was very much something that she wanted to do. She wanted to stand out immediately, and it works. Kelly talks about having six kids, three boys and three girls, and says that she's always felt judged for having multiple kids from different fathers and says that this is the number one question that she's asked. Are all these kids from the same guy? And she looks away from the camera and with, like, disgust in her voice says, no, why would I have six kids from the same guy? Hello? So I guess this is just a preposterous idea to Kelly. Fine, fine, fantastic. Stephanie, now 46 years old and a talking head, says it'll be hard to keep up with Kelly. And at the bar, they do shots together, and Stephanie calls Kelly a bad influence. Kelly smiles, saying she's a good influence, actually, and they, they kind of cheer together. More the sort of, I think, put-on friendliness. I, I think it's put-on. I mean, we'll see throughout the episode. There's, there's clearly friction, and, there, and there's competition. That's, that's not a judgment. Like, this is a competitive TV show. You don't necessarily want to become besties, especially given what's going to happen in a minute here. But if this is your first time visiting MILF Manor, just, just wait. This, we have not yet begun to MILF. 
Kelly says she used to think that age was an issue until she started dating after her marriage, and the first guy she dated was 14 years her junior. Says that all these younger guys taught her that they could be drawn to an older woman. She can teach them a lot of things. And off-camera, a producer asks her, well, what could she teach them? And Kelly looks down her nose and does this very deliberate pause. Then with a much quieter voice says, I don't know if I can say that on TV. She throws her head back, but she doesn't laugh very loud, laughs quietly. It's almost kind of this supervillain thing. It was fantastic. Speaking about divorce at the bar, someone asks Kelly if men gravitate towards her, and she says yes, enthusiastically. April J. in a talking head calls Kelly the most risque of all moms. No shame whatsoever. There's no judgment in her voice either. She's just being matter-of-fact, and I think just trying to tell it like it is. Kelly touches her hair and says she's not mad about her body, which gets some laughs from some of the other moms, but Charlene lets out a very judgmental and disapproving mm-hmm kind of noise, not smiling, watching Kelly. She's not a Kelly fan. Kelly definitely is the most open in her body presentation in terms of the most exposure of her body, shall we say, which she has every right to do. Charlene, in a talking head, has real disappointment and resignation in her voice as she can already tell that she, out of all the moms, will get the least attention. She says Kelly puts a lot of time into her body and and sex appeal, and men want that. Charlene, at this point, doesn't really sound critical of Kelly so much as critical about herself. She says that everyone is so pretty, and she says physically she's the biggest girl here. And the way she says it, it, it doesn't sound like this is the first time that she's felt this way about herself. Some real resignation and sadness in her voice. Not not like a ton. She's not like throwing a whole pity party. And that almost kind of makes it worse. She's just kind of resigned to, well, this is the same as ever. Kind of sad. I, I genuinely, I couldn't help but feel a little bit bad for her. It's like, if you can't feel good about yourself at Milf Manor, where can you feel good about yourself? Charlene at the bar, I think being passive aggressive, says to Pola, likely about Kelly. We're not getting younger, though. We can do things to our body, but we're really not. And she gives kind of a humorless laugh. April W. squints and frowns, quite judgmental, and I think just being really critical says of Charlene that, you know, Charlene was probably very hot when she was younger and more in shape, which so mean. Says Charlene doesn't know how to clam herself up. So Charlene definitely rubbed April W. the wrong way. She's being quite brutal in her assessment of Charlene, too much so, in my, in my opinion. She's coming across as, like, a mean girl in this play, which I hadn't really seen in this episode yet. This might be just the competitive nature of the show coming out, too, or at the very least coming more to the forefront. Back at the bar, Charlene is still the focus, notably standing, by the way. Charlene is standing. All the other women seem to be sitting that I can see. So that might be purposeful or just a subconscious choice to make her feel more empowered, or maybe she's just less comfortable. She doesn't want to sit down because she doesn't want to do that. She doesn't want to be on the same level, literally. She suggests guessing what everyone else does for a living, and like right off the bat guesses that Shannon does something in corporate events. And April W., who was just trashing Charlene very warmly in this moment to Charlene, says very happy, kind of half shouts, that was my guess too. Shannon calmly, and with, I think, a tinge of disappointment at being read so much, reacts by confirming she is a corporate events planner. Says she wasn't always a corporate event planner, and we see some old photos of her looking amazing, talking about dancing, popping and locking on the street corner. And she says, you know, still on brand for the show, that young men can probably appreciate that. Kelly brings up dating during COVID, which I didn't expect COVID to come up during the show, but I, I looked at when it was produced, and yeah, that's fair. She touches her chest and says that she has not been dating. Stephanie invokes God here, saying basically whatever his will is, which Kelly and April do seem to appreciate. Stephanie in a talking head says she's a believer and that her faith is important to her. She says to Kelly and April that older guys just want to play the field, which Kelly both agrees with and is sort of dismissive of the appropriateness of. They make fun of older men not wanting to settle down. Stephanie very loudly gets a text, like I think it was a post-production sound. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think the text sound was actually that loud. But anyway, she says they all got phones for these purposes. And she reads the text aloud, telling the ladies to go to the house and meet the new men in their lives. And this gets a huge cheer from all the ladies, even some yelling, let's go. Let's see how they feel in a moment, shall we? They all leave the bar. 
Kelly says she's excited to meet the guys because they're going to be younger. Then they will connect with her younger free spirit, especially in the bedroom. And she kind of laughs at herself. So Young talks about wanting a hot young guy. Says, if they aren't here, then please call me and pantomimes the phone with her pinky and her thumb, which I thought was kind of funny. Here come the dudes. Tellingly, the editors don't show their faces, legs, arms, some unbuttoned shirts. We get some quick voiceover clips from the men. The moms are in front of the screens with the men behind them. We see them all in silhouette first, and the ladies make growling, appreciative noises. Starting to get a little bit weird. The screens open up, and everyone looks confused. And oh, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Yeah, so these are... So I knew this, obviously, because I took notes, but let me be very clear. I did not know this, Eliza. When I agreed to do this show, I did not know this when I watched the show. I discovered in real time that all these young men are these women's sons. Every bachelor is one of the mom's children. You did this to me on purpose. You you chose to do this. And I I can't be mad at Eliza. Eliza gave me like five different things I could review, even just Project Runway. But I said, oh no, I can handle MILF Manor. What's MILF Manor? How bad could it be? Ufa, Jose, one of the young men, starts talking to his mother in Spanish, asking her what she's doing here, and she responds also in Spanish, and oh my god, okay, we cut, we smash cut to a talking head of them sitting next to each other. They are going to be doing talking heads together, mother and son. That's fine. She recounts this feeling, saying she saw straight into her son's eyes and thought, what was this? And they do seem a bit shocked in the moment. Charlene in a talking head now with her son Harrison. So are Stephanie and her son Bill, who asks, So are we supposed to date the other moms? I'll be honest, Bill, that's my question as well at this point. April J says that she knew that her son Gabriel was in Mexico, but thought it was on a separate retreat. Gabriel, this is amazing, he looks so petulant and angry. He, he looks childlike. He looks like a kid that didn't get a toy, you know, at Target. Like, when you're just trying to get some chickpeas or something. Amazing. The, the sons start to mill around with the moms and like greet their own moms. And Shannon's son, Ryan, says he's looking at everyone but his mom. And Shanann says, thank God, which, yes, I, I, I do agree. Kelly's in a talking head with her son, chastising him. And her son, Joey, just looks mortified. He's got, his eyes are wide and his eyes are darting around. He, he says that older women are very hot and he has the swag and the game for them. His mom touches her chest, saying, well, this is news to me. We see Joey milling about talking to the other moms. Back in a talking head, Joey says that if he brings a woman home, it's all up to his mom whether or not he dates her. Kelly balls her fists, holds her hands up, and quietly says, yes, winning. Joey says, winning, been winning, all while looking at her. This is weird. This is really weird. Let's move on. Everyone is chatting. So Young says that she has her eye on Jose already, says he's the perfect age. He has nice eyes, no tattoos. She says that's what she's looking for, and she kind of gives a cheeky smile. April J and her son are in a talking head, and Gabriel, her son, who, I gotta be honest, he kind of looks like great value Edward Cullen. Panic at the disco, mommy. I don't know. He says they're significantly older woman and calls it alarming. April laughs and he clarifies, not in a bad way, but he does say the women are kind of beautiful. And he does kind of a performative frown, reminding us that his mom was right there. Another text message comes in that explains the premise of the show to everyone, I think mostly for us, the viewer at this point. The women all ooh and agree when the text points out the double standard where older men can date younger women, but not vice versa. And their more explanatory text to the young men. Kelly just announces that she'll be in the hot tub at 10, which her son does not seem to appreciate. Kelly even says, sorry, ladies, I may be sleeping with your son. She does, thankfully, just say this in a talking head. Okay, so let's address this. There is 100% a double standard that older men dating, marrying, engaging in sexual activity with significantly younger women is much more endorsed or at least accepted than vice versa. That absolutely is true. And it even came up in the Patreon chat of what would this show be 
if it was much older men, you know, paired up with each other's daughters, which I don't even like to think about. And so I've been living with this a little bit. It might be funny to talk about doing this like academic analysis of MILF manner, but I, I don't think it is. I, I actually think this is a valuable thing to look at because this show, this show does a lot of things, many of which are for purely entertainment value or let's say shock value. Sure, that's fine. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have any merit academically. I was kind of confronting my feelings of, okay, what are the things going on here? Because there's this subtextual, I don't want to say incestuous, but to be that's part of the, the subtext is you have these women that are horned up and these young men that are horned up and they're around their mothers and they're around their sons. It's this sort of veneer of taboo-ness about it, these mixing of roles that typically don't and maybe shouldn't be mixed. That I think is the point. I'm not placing any evaluatives on any of that. That's not really my role here. That's not really what I like to do. But it uh, it is interesting to look at the... I don't know if you want to call it empowerment, I guess you could, of these older women to pursue and perhaps satiate their desires with younger men who are adult and are consenting to the same activity, but that's not the weirdness. If that was just the show, which is what I expected the show to be, it's again that ick factor. This is just odd, and I, I don't know how to feel about it. It is sort of exposing the fact that women are typically not allowed to be the aggressors. So I don't want to get too much into it beyond that, because this is this is supposed to be fun. But I would be remiss if I didn't point out that I did think about it. it, it Milf Manor made me think about this stuff, Eliza. So I guess thank you. Harrison, Charlene's son and a one-on-one -on -one talking head, is moving his hands around for emphasis, saying how weird this is all going to be. Getting close with the guys, but then maybe going out with their mothers. So Young and her son Jimmy are together, and he says that his mom is getting older, which she smiles at, and she plays it off saying, ah, Jimmy doesn't know. She may find the perfect love, and sort of half winks towards him, I think, playing off of him and bouncing back from his comment. April J is flirting a lot with some of the boys, a lot of shoulder touching, which obviously is a flirtatious thing in this context. Especially Joey, Kelly's son. He flirts back with her, saying there's no way she's the oldest, which she really likes a lot. In a talking head, he confirms that she's the one that he has his eye on at this point. He says he'd like to get closer to her, show her what it's like with a younger man. There's more flirting between them and April, very over-the-top, kind of performative laughter, really trying to show him closeness and appreciation, touching his body a lot. April doubles back to the fact that she has a high sex drive, and explains, hopefully, that younger guy, more sex, hopefully. Yeah, sure, we would, you would hope. April's son Gabriel asks Joey, so who's your mom? Obviously trying to play off and manage this weird scene going in, on in front of him of a guy, like, flirting with his mom. In a talking head, he talks about Joey and being kind of protective of his mother, frankly. Says he's going to go from woman to woman, he's going nowhere near his mom. So this is an interesting dynamic of the sons defending the moms and We'll see the opposite happening towards the end of the episode. Gabriel in Talking Head with April again, and he's wearing kind of what I would call his Billy Idol cosplay. He looks good. He pulls it off. I couldn't. April calls this show a gift from the heavens, and Gabriel does this Home Alone oh no face. He hates this. He says he can't, he can't, he's sorry. And April chastises him and kind of mothers him very much his mom, tells him, don't interrupt me. This is so weird. This is so weird. Okay, I'm fine. There seems to be some fighting over Jose. Jose is a very popular guy in this episode. Kelly tells him to cut the umbilical cord, because I guess he's over by his mom, even though he's talking to so young. Kelly confirms Jose is a safe bet. She likes the fact, I guess, that he's tied to his mom's hip, that he's family-oriented. And she says that he'd be by her side, in her corner. Which makes it sound like she's going to replace his mom. The, the layers of stuff here. This is so interesting. She says she needs to get him away from his mom and see what they end up doing. Wow. Okay. Wow. There are jokes about I'm never going to call you dad? And, and a mom says, no, I'll, I'll call him daddy? Kelly is in her element. And Charlene confirms this too. Says Kelly is doing too much, almost. Though, though not in those words. But I think Charlene is feeling insecure and is comparing herself to Kelly and maybe doesn't feel like she measures up based upon her previous statements that were kind of alluded to that. 
Pola gets a text explaining the sleeping arrangements for tonight. There are eight villas, so they will need to share a room, I'm guessing, with their sons. The young men especially seem to react to this with some concern. So there is a challenge to announce to see which mother-son pairs are the most connected, and thus they will win access for the night to the best sleeping arrangements. Harrison, not really happy about sharing a room with Charlene, says they're close, but they keep their dating lives separate. Everyone seems to find this weird, but I mean, they go along with it. April J says to several other moms that she had twins, and Gabriel is one of them, though they're fraternal, they don't look alike. And Kelly says, so you brought the ugly one. If I was April J, I would have thrown hands at this point. At the very least, Kelly could be minding her MILF manners. <laughs> minding her MILF manners. Come on, okay, is this MILF manners? I'm losing it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I gotta do something here, okay? This this is all in good fun. Oh, good God. Okay, so all the boys are lined up shirtless. Um, The moms are all blindfolded, and they have to touch all the men's bodies and decide which one of them is their son. Eliza. I need, I do, I need hazard pay for this. Kelly is being weird. Let's just move on. I don't want to talk about what she does. Jose tells his mom it's important to win, and... Hola and the talking head even pretends to touch his chest, but they both laugh it off. Joey makes his mom laugh, talking about how odd this all is. She's never rubbed him up and down. Kelly announces Disco Mommy's in the house. The other moms are almost cringing and not wanting to look at how Kelly goes about this. She's rubbing up on various dudes, saying nope, nope, no. Joey in a talking head says his mom never really shows him this side of her and he finds it very weird, along with, I'm guessing, the totality of America and beyond. Hello to my non-American patrons. You count just as much as everyone else. Kelly does not pick her son correctly. She, in fact, touches Jimmy, so young son. Joey's very mad about this, shouting. Jimmy lifts Kelly up, picks her up as she cheers and whoops and they run away together. So Young is quite frustrated. She says, Jimmy doesn't want men touching her, right? I can't read if So Young is really upset or just kind of playing it up for the camera. Maybe she's not even sure. Ryan not happy that Shannon is rubbing on young dudes. Shannon says they're both grown. There's nothing wrong with a little touch and feel, but Ryan does not agree. But she does choose her son correctly. He hugs mom, and I guess they're both happy about this. Jose and Pola. Pola is pantomiming her son's shoulders, and Jose closes his eyes tight and laughs at this, because I guess like they train together at her studio. She immediately figures out that it's Jose she's touching. April J says she likes this challenge, but her son Gabriel does not. She does choose Gabriel correctly. Charlene, not so much. She actually also chooses Gabriel. So Young is enjoying this a lot. She's kind of lingering on each young man, getting her rubbing in. Jimmy, not amused. She's going up and down to the legs and such. It's, it's kind of a lot. Joey sounds kind of judgy, calls it very aggressive in his opinion. Stephanie laughs, calling her wild. She does choose Joey, who embraces her, picks her up and yells. It's a very funny scene. A producer asks him, does he pick up women often? And April says, he does, he does. But he does not seem to appreciate his mom's joke. Another text comes in to further ruin my life. Stephanie and her son Billy won. So did Pola and Jose. Pola and Jose specifically get the suite with the hot tub and the patio, and she cheers, saying they're all welcome. Kelly says that Jose can meet her at her bungalow outside. Pola says that she, she doesn't get Kelly. I think she does get Kelly, because she says, well, Kelly always needs to be the center of attention. You, you nailed it. That, that's it. But Pola's fired up. She's pissed. She's quite upset. Kelly's not bothered by this, though, seemingly. Or at least Kelly's kind of trying to portray she isn't. She loudly says, can't hear you over there, and rolls her eyes at Pola's clear frustration over Kelly, alluding to sex with her son. Milf manor, baby. Milf manor, baby. Can't take the milf, get out of the manor. I should do this entire show. I am... You want to talk about podcast famous? I'm leaving money on the table. I should become the milf manor professor and review... Just the one season of this show, because I don't think they're ever going to make any more. I could just do that and live off of residuals for the rest of my life. There you go. The MILF Manor Professor. Be kind to your MILF. Your MILF deserves kindness. Let's move on.
The suite in question is massive. Stephanie welcomes Charlene, who is quite bowled over by this massive suite. Says it even has a living area. There are two large beds, which is nice to see. A sauna, hot tub. Stephanie does ask her son not to bring any moms into the hot tub. Pola and Jose also excited about their suite. They seem to be okay with the sleeping arrangements, but Jose says, I guess, and Pola kind of laughs at this. It is kind of weird. Even separate beds, they're still in the same room. Charlene, Kelly, Ryan, some others are having drinks, and Charlene laments that there are no socially accepted terms for younger men and kind of a cougar dynamic. They're just cougars and milfs. There's no, like, term for the younger man, which that's that's true. That's an interesting linguistic difference. There is really no term for that. It's like there's no pejorative term that's really all that used. Like, like if you're a woman that has a lot of sex, you are called any number of pejorative things. You might call like a man like a dog or whatever, but really is that as pervasive? Not at all. Because men just aren't stigmatized for sexual behaviors like this. You know what I mean? And, and that's clear. And that's almost kind of what she's alluding, not even the stigmatized, but men not being the aggressor in a sexual dynamic, especially younger men. It's, there's just no term for it. Ryan and Kelly are flirting a bit more, and Kelly talks about putting his name on her door. Ryan says that while Kelly doesn't have the aesthetic of who he normally dates, which is an interesting word choice, he does say her spice level is at an all-time high. I think that's a really nice way of putting it. With some prompting, Charlene, quite animated, chopping with her arm to denote differences, says she's a MILF, not a cougar, until she reaches a certain age. Kelly disagrees, says she doesn't think about age. She attracts a lot of younger men because of her younger... And she pauses... And Ryan finishes her thought for her, saying, spirit. And she agrees, says, it's my personality. Charlene's insecurity keeps coming out. She's fidgeting with her hand, says that she felt a lot of insecurity being here, but everyone's, and she kind of trails off. Ryan sort of, I think, reacts to this, says that everyone needs to get out of their shell. Says people will never learn, will never grow if they don't try new things. Which is a pretty mature statement, although in this context, it's hilarious. Charlene does seem to like this, though, as in a talking head, she kind of echoes his words, talks about trying new things, discovering things about themselves. Joey tells his mom that he learned a lot from Ryan's talk just now, and Kelly reacts by putting an arm around Ryan, telling Joey, you know this is your dad, you're welcome. In a talking head, Joey, understandably not pleased by this, he says his mom flirts a lot, but this is a first-hand experience for him, which is weird. It is weird, I agree. Ryan and Kelly walk away arm in arm together. Ryan, by the way, is in this full-body pajama suit, which is just tremendous. Joey is following them, still arm in arm, almost like a little kid yelling, no, no, nobody's kicking anyone out. Like, he's... You know what he's trying to stop from happening. I don't need to spell it out. But Kelly says that she's open about sex. She would love to find love, but she's here to have fun. In their suite, in bed, she tells Joey that she's texting Ryan right now and laughs, like, uproariously. They're exchanging texts. Kelly even shows her son the text chain with Ryan. And Kelly says that her son Joey is cock-blocking her. Kelly tries to convince Ryan to come up to their room, the room she shares with her son. And at the top of the stairs, as she's talking to him, Joey starts yelling, Oh my god, you've got to be joking. This is the weirdest sh This is the weirdest sh I've maybe ever seen ever seen. I guess what happens in MILF Manor stays in MILF Manor. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's like, is, is Ryan going to fall in love with Kelly? Is she going to be the one that makes this MILF Manor a MILF home? Let's find out. They do go into the suite. Joey, still there and still upset. Ryan plays it off telling Joey, I'm just telling you to, you know, get up in time to go to the gym. Joey says he is cock-blocking his mom as it is too soon. She just met him. Joey even says, you can't just go into, I want to, and then his eyes get really wide, and he doesn't want to finish that thought, and I don't blame him one bit. Jimmy and Gabriel are talking now. Jimmy says that he has his eye on Pola. They seem to agree that Pola and Stephanie are both, as they put it, bomb. Jimmy says he's a man of great taste, although I gotta be honest, Jimmy, not so much in haircuts. It kind of looks like... His hair kind of looks like a wig, 
that got snatched off of a Morgan Wallen wax figure. Says he's a big feet person. He just wants to massage Pola's feet, paint her toenails, suck the acrylic off her toes. I had to hear this, and so do you. He is quite unabashed about his foot fetish, and in all seriousness, good for him. Whatever your kinks are, good for you. Uh, don't be apologetic. Be upfront with potential partners about it. Sure, that's how it should be. Talk about it on TV. Yeah, okay, why not? Jimmy brings Pola a martini, and Kelly, talking to Jose, is quite impressed. Jimmy asks Pola to go on a paddleboarding date, which she accepts. Jose is watching this, smiling kind of nervously. There's a dual talking head as he looks at his mom and says he doesn't know what to think. After the producer asks him a question, is he too young for his mom? He looks down, looks away, thinks, and eventually says, yeah, most guys are, which I thought was funny. He seems genuinely, kind of almost paternally concerned about his own mother, says just don't be naive like you usually are. He seems really legitimately concerned about his mom's welfare, and this one moment was a nice little oasis of sanity in this ocean of just craziness. Paula says a man has to keep up with her physically, as she's a dancer, she's very active, so Jimmy's suggestion of paddleboarding really worked for her. The water, by the way, it's, it's this part of Mexico, so it's just gorgeous, just absolutely stunning, remarkable scenery. Jimmy says he was impressed with how playful Pola is, and they do some yoga on a paddleboard in the ocean, which who hasn't done that at least once? Jimmy keeps falling into the water as they're trying to do airplane pose, and Pola says she used to do this pose with her son when he was little. She loves doing that with kids. What is this? What is this? I do that with, like, my kids today. Today I did, before I watched the show, you know, I was laying on the floor and doing, like, put, picking them up with my feet and my hands and doing an airplane pose. That, that's what you do with a little kid. This is so... This is fine. I'm fine. Kelly, very happy that Paul is gone, says to Jose, I guess we're going to the bedroom now that your mom's gone. Kelly, really, I kind of admire the fact that she doesn't really filter things. He says, I guess so. Good good game, buddy. Kelly drops a lot of innuendo, being on your knees to go paddleboarding and so on. Jose tells the camera he doesn't need his mom's approval, but don't tell her that, and he smiles. These sort of childlike behaviors from these young men, and in general, it's so, that's what kind of sets me on edge, I think, a lot. Kelly tells the camera she's had her eye on Jose from day one, which I think was yesterday. Very confident. She's not apologetic, of course. She sits down with him, but they're not like super duper close together. A decent amount of space between them, which honestly surprised me. Joey and Kelly are together, and he says that accents are his mom's weak spot. She looks at Joey and smiles, looks down, and she laughs. She denies this and gestures with her hands, tells her son it's about a different culture, not the accent. But she does call it a bonus. Joey is laughing, big broad smile. He does not buy his mother's story. Kelly back with Jose. Quite seriously, with some pauses and stutters and a soft tone of voice, Jose sounding very honest when he says he wants to explore things outside of normal cultural boundaries in terms of relationships. He's quite articulate and quite... He just doesn't sound cartoonish and goofy like most folks on this show. He sounds sensitive and thoughtful. Clearly nervous, but sincere nervousness. Kelly leans over and touches his knee as a purposeful flirtation. She tells the camera they were really connecting, but Jose was moving very slowly, which she doesn't like. And he kind of ends the conversation there. He says, I'd like to continue talking about this later. Charlene says that she thinks Kelly will hook up first as she's kind of bouncing from guy to guy, and she says that she expects that of her. Does kind of a sarcastic head bob. Says Kelly wants to be the belle of the ball or the Barbie. The tone denotes disapproval. Charlene says, you know, this isn't a game show. Charlene, again, seems to be coming from a lot of places of judgment based upon her own feelings of insecurity. Jimmy and Pola are on the beach again, and he asks her her type, and they kind of go both go into detail. Dark hair, green eyes, this, that, and the other thing. She also talks about the importance of being active. Jimmy is asked the same question by Pola, and he kind of stumbles a bit. He tells the camera he feels very comfortable, but I don't, I don't think that's true. Actually, Jimmy is coming across quite nervous and quite uncomfortable. Not to the point of it being off-putting, but, but it, it's quite clear. He makes the choice to ask Pola about her son, Jose. 
and asks, does he like anyone? And she says, no. And then we cut to Kelly together with Jose up on a ridge above the beach, kind of looking down at Pola, which is a little bit weird. Kelly kind of waves him away, saying they don't need their drinks, but she needs the fantasy suite tonight. Pola fired up again. No, never. And a talking head, very emphatic, says Kelly's wild, and she leans forward, saying she'll bring drama to her family, her son, her relationship with Jose. Very dismissive and angry, says no. Jimmy, watching them, says their body language is talking, and Pola keeps disagreeing because she doesn't want this to be true. Jimmy does a whole low-budget Dr. Adam thing, talking about, well, look at the space and their eye contact, and like, yeah, I, I think I'll handle it from here, sir. Kelly tells the camera that Jose is open to love, and she'll show him that she's the one he should be with. She's smiling, very excited about this, rubs her hands together in anticipation, cocks her head to the side, and says, you're mine. Kind of, again, that supervillain vibe to her that I actually kind of like. Jose calmly says something is going on between him and Kelly that could be the start of something powerful. Pola, still not having it, shakes her head no. She says she's 100% not the type for Jose, says she won't get anywhere, never. Kelly taunting Pola some more down on the beach, hugs Jose, says, hey mom. Kelly says she'll take her man home no matter what, with a humorless smile, says, I like to win. And with that, we close the doors on Milf Manor. Forever? Maybe not, but at least for right now. A lot to say about this, as, as you know, it, it was interesting to see the dynamics, to see the weird subtextual familial stuff and this meshing of sexuality and parenthood that is typically for very good reason, right, kept separate because those are just such strange spheres to intertwine. But I think that's the whole point of the show is the taboo nature of it. I'm interested in where the show goes, but I also feel like, okay, I kind of got a bite of the apple here. I, I kind of understand it. I don't know. It will be interesting to see if anyone requests more of this. Eliza, you or anyone else. Of course, folks are always welcome to hop on and off the faculty tier. So if anybody has a burning desire later for me to review more MILF Manor, I'm open to it. But as for now, I'm going to say bon voyage, MILFs. See you later, young men. God be with you all. Be safe. Make good choices. I'm Dr. Adam. I don't know what I just watched, but I'm glad I did it. And I'm especially glad I did it with you. So thank you. Good night. Let us all count our blessings. And remember, the real MILF Manor is the people that you love. Wait. No, that's not... That's, that's not... That sounded... That sounded weird. That sounded weird. I didn't mean that. I didn't... I didn't mean that. <laughs>